Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. As the man said, hi, Hensler Financial Building in Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, you're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. I'm Troy Harmon. Here today with Jacob Keene and Casey Smith, and uh, we've been talking about all kind of things. Well, Kelly Lynn, there we have it. All right. Casey, I'm going to take you to task here. We have an investor, Roger. He is a C-suite uh, level executive, just took a new position for a company, and part of his compensation package included restricted stock. He has worked with his advisor for years to create a carefully balanced portfolio. He's not sure how this benefit will affect his investments. He knows that restricted stock can be very lucrative, but he's not sure how to plan for it. Yeah. Could you give us a rundown? Yeah, and, and I mean, this is a... Uh, a, sort of a complicated uh, area just because there's a lot of different things mainly from the tax uh, the tax how those types of uh, that type of compensation is taxed and there's really there's two kinds of restricted stock there's restricted stock awards uh, which it actually says that he's getting restricted stock units. Okay. So th- there's a little bit of a difference in how that works and that restricted stock awards or sometimes just called restricted stock or restricted stock grants or when the company actually gives the shares at the grant date, puts it in, in an account for the uh, participant uh, and and that those those shares are subject to forfeiture, so they're not they don't they can't transact in those shares. They have to just sit there until they vest, uh, and that could be you know there's usually some time horizon. There's a it's oftentimes tied to some kind of uh, some kind of goal or of the company or of the individual or department or what have you, um, and then at that time the the shares would vest. And when that happens, or if it's a restricted stock award, then the uh, it's taxable at ordinary income. So sometimes you pay something for those. Oftentimes it's just a it's an award, so it's just given to you as part of your compensation package. So you know if you earned ten thousand dollars in restricted stock, then that ten thousand dollars is going to be uh, on your on your ten forty as ordinary income. Okay. Restricted stock units is a little bit different because you don't actually get the stock. It's just a promise to to grant you the stock at vesting. Ah. Um, the biggest difference there is in terms of you have some options with restricted stock awards, and it's called an 83B election. Uh, and what that means is basically if you elect to, to be subject to 83B treatment on the restricted stock that you're granted, then you, you declare it as ordinary income in the year at the time that it's granted. So, you know, again, to go back to the $10,000 example, it'd be $10,000 at grant date um, for for that income in that year. Um, if you elect 83B, though, you go ahead and pay the tax at the grant date, whereas if you do not elect 83B, then you don't pay the tax until vesting. Um, so a little bit of a distinction there. You know, it could be three, four, or five years before you actually vest. Uh, and so, and that could be three, four, five years of growth. Exactly. So you could have substantially more taxes owed if you if you don't elect eighty three B, but you're taking the risk that something happens you don't, and you don't actually earn the reward. You know, you, know, you, you leave the job for mm. some reason. You don't hit the goals that are tied to that compensation. 
then you've already paid the tax, but you don't actually get the, the stock. So, Ouch. you know, there's a little bit of risk there. Or yeah. the company could lose value and you pay, paid, you know, more tax than you would have otherwise had to. Um, restricted stock units is a little simpler because you don't have an option there. It's just taxed all at ordinary income at vesting. Um, so I, I think, you know, in Roger's scenario, he is getting restricted stock units. Uh, so from a tax standpoint, that's a little bit simpler. Um, you may or may not have any control. The, the other thing, I guess, in the in the difference between the two, um, if you're actually given the stock, then you have voting rights. You know, if it's a restricted stock award, you have voting rights, you have dividends, whereas restricted stock units, you may or may not, you don't have voting rights and you may or may not have the dividends. Um, so... That's, that's, a, that's a whole lot to consume, Casey. It's a lot. I know. Yeah. Okay. When we get back, Casey, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the planning that goes along with it, because yeah. that seems like um, some like over-concentration. John Dixon in here. Yeah. <laughs> Can you step us through maybe a little bit of planning um, Yeah. When it, when it comes to restricted stock units? Yeah. Obviously, you know, anytime you're getting company stock as some, some type of compensation, you know, it's... It's, there's a concentration issue, right? Because you're you work for the company, so you're you're highly invested in this company in a couple of different aspects. Your income comes from the company, and now you have some assets piece of the company. So, well, um, it, does it really matter? You're, you're going to wind up having a concentration no matter what. I I more often see, uh, like we're in Atlanta, so Home Depot. Yeah. You often see people mm-hmm. with Home Depot stock. They started investing early. Maybe they did yeah. work for the firm. Um, but concentration's concentration, no matter where the source. And you're it right; it, it's uh, on a, a live, ongoing basis. Uh, you know, we're we're talking about a, a situation where not only the income, but a huge portion of uh, savings are going to be tied up with the same company. Exactly. Um, but it can be that way without the the income. Yeah, exactly. That well, doesn't right? have to be the the only aspect, but um, you know, it just adds another element of of. Uh, of concentration, I yeah. guess, when you and factor risk. in the income and in risk, exactly. So, I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do about it until the shares vest, but then at that time, you do have a choice. Uh, with restricted stock units, we've already learned that you're taxed at vesting as ordinary income, no matter what. So, um, because of that, a lot of times it makes sense to go ahead and sell the stock at that point, turn it into cash. You could diversify it into other investments at, at that point. Um, you know, we occasionally may look at the stock or look at the company and see that we think that the future prospects are good or maybe they're not as highly concentrated as um, as they they might otherwise be if, if somebody's got a, a large portion of their compensation tied up in these. So it just depends. But for the most part, because it of depends, that tax treatment, says. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Slap me around. So this is a lot of coordination between you and, say, the tax department. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to look at the timing of those that vesting and, and how that's going to impact their taxes in the in that year. But it, it's really more of a tax decision than an investment decision most mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, but the fact that you're taxed at vesting, at you know, you can pretty much just sell the shares immediately. Some plans will allow you to actually just take the cash and not even ever take possession of the shares. So you don't have to worry about any capital gains in that regard. Um, Do you invest the port your like the portfolio differently then, like for some for a client that has something like that? Not not usually. Um, I mean, this okay, definitely we take seems, it into consideration for right. sure. Because um, he seems to be like really concerned about that. You know, you know, working having worked to have a balanced portfolio. Now he's getting these you know shares that 
Yeah, I it's mean, part of compensation, so he doesn't have, have a choice. Yeah, well, we don't, you we don't know. want to buy more outside exactly. of that relationship. Yeah, that, that would be sure. the thing. And, and, you know, depending on what sector the company's in, you could avoid other similar companies in that sector sure. just to well, make sure you're more it, diversified. As a, as a uh, uh, chief suite type um, individual, it mm-hmm. might be required for him to avoid buying his competition's uh, stock for well, sure. Yeah, and exactly. why in the world would you want to do it? A lot of folks that are going to achieve that are going to be competitive throughout sure uh but casey how much um as a percentage of a portfolio before you consider it too concentrated i mean certainly not more than 10 percent, but we usually try to stick less than five five yeah so i can envision uh, you know unless he did as kelly lynn's already mentioned unless he had uh, a lot of holdings outside of the company he works for um it, it could be pretty easy to become highly concentrated yeah, definitely. So yeah. it's something you want to take a look at and make sure you're coordinating and taking that into consideration when you're investing the rest of your portfolio. Yeah. Sure. Uh, even if he avoided the same sector that he was in, you know, the, the business that he runs in uh, is um, operating in, it, it still could lead to that same concentration, but you could still get probably a diversified portfolio. You're just going to have a lot of specific company risk. Exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, usually specific company risk, quite often the examples that I use are the CEO does X and it's negative. So, I mean, this guy is a, he's, he's sitting in the office he's, that he's, you're concerned yeah, about, right? Exactly. Maybe so. not CEO, but a, a chief suite, right? Well, yep. the, you know, there can be some, some uh, insider s- scenarios here too, because he is an insider, presumably he would sure. have. So he has to be careful about that too and making sure he's in compliance with regulations oh, well, as far as that's concerned. And not only that, he's going to be considered an insider no matter what. Yeah. So him selling big chunks of stock, unless it was as it matured or as it, um, you know, vested, uh, it could have negative connotations for the company as a whole or yeah. the company's stock. Why are the insiders selling? It's a very common thing to be asked. Yeah, no question. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than, it, you know. It really does. It really does. All All right. right. You are listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.